Good morning, church. And I'm glad you're here this morning. It really was a blessing to get some rain last night. Amen? I mean, it was good. And it's a beautiful morning this morning. And I'm excited about Trunk of Treats tonight. Ought to be an opportunity to serve a whole lot of kids in this community. Let me give you some good news if you haven't already thought about it. I'm, I'm sure that you have, but in case you haven't, next Sunday... We move the clocks back. Amen. You get an extra hour of sleep next Sunday. Do not tell your kids about it, whatever, whatever you do, because they want to stay up later, and you know how that works. Next Sunday, if you show up having not changed your clocks, you're going to be extremely early for this service. And I've noticed that for some of you that would be a new deal. I hope you got your Bibles with you. Would you open them, please, to Matthew 14? Matthew 14. We're going to start reading at verse 22. Matthew 14. We're going to read the entire text together. Then we're going to come back and take a look at what God has to say to us. Matthew 14. Let me give you the context. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. And John's gospel tells us that they wanted to make him king. And so he hurriedly dismisses his disciples and then the crowd and goes up into a mountain to pray. Immediately, John, uh, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, which watch? During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. I don't know about you, but I think I would too out there in the middle of a dark lake and the wind's blowing and the storm is raging and you see this figure come walking across the lake toward you? But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. And then again, the most common commandment of God to His people, Old and New Testaments, is what? Don't be afraid. Peter does an interesting thing. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Now listen to these words. Then Peter got down out of the boat, listen, and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. 
Ah, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Question. What are you trusting God to do in your life this morning that only God can do? What is it that you are trusting God to do in your life that only God can do? You see, in our culture, in our society, for the most part, we are encouraged to play it safe. Take it easy. Don't be vulnerable. Don't risk it. Don't get out there where you might get embarrassed. We do that a lot of time in business. We do that in relationships. And sometimes that begins to spill over even into our Christian faith so that we, in fact, walk by sight and not by faith. Man, if I can see it, then I'll do it. If I can see that the numbers will work, then I'll go for it. If I, if I can see that my friend might be receptive to me sharing Christ with him, then I might speak a word. But God tells us in his word, we're not to walk by sight. We're to walk by what? By faith. Jesus was the embodiment of what it meant to trust the Father. And every once in a while, you see that well up in one of his disciples, and they do the extraordinary. They do the amazing. And this is one of those occasions where Simon Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to Jesus. Before that night, nobody had walked on water. What if you decided to climb down out of the boat and trust God to do some things in your life, in your ministry, in your influence that only God can do? What do you think might happen? Let me define for you what I mean by getting out of the boat. There are two or three things I think getting out of the boat means to me. Number one, it means if God doesn't come through, you're through. Years ago, I was preaching in Oklahoma City, and I noticed right down to my right on the second row, when I got up to do the greeting after we did our call to worship, you know, like we do here at Greenville Oaks, and I noticed that during our greeting time, there was a, a young man, young man, he's, he was in his late 30s probably, and he was seated to my right, and he was wearing a really nice suit. You know, there's... There, there's Joseph A. Bank, and then there's Armani. He was in a nice suit. And I'd never seen him there. And so when we did our hug and howdy time, I stepped down to meet him. His name was David. I said, David, is this your first time with us? He said, yes, it is. He said, are you the preacher here? I said, yes, I am. He said, is there any way I could talk with you? I said, absolutely. 
I said, when would be the best time for us to sit down and talk? He said, well, I'll only be in town tomorrow. Can I talk with you tomorrow? I said, sure. He came to the church building. One of our assistants went and got a couple of sandwiches and brought them back, and we sat down together in one of the rooms there in our church building, and David started unfolding his story. David said, I'm one of the most competitive men that you'll ever meet. He said, I've always been that way. He said, I graduated valedictorian in my high school. I could have gone to any school in the country. But he said, home is in the Oklahoma City area for me. And so he said, I went to Oklahoma University. He said, I graduated the top of my class at Oklahoma. And I applied to law schools. And I could have gone to any law school in the country. But I went to OU Law School. I graduated at the top of my class at OU Law School, and when I got out, I went to work for, and he named this law firm in Oklahoma City, the most prestigious law firm at the, at the time in the city of Oklahoma City. He said, I went to work, and he said, here was my goal. I was going to build more hours. I was going to become a partner faster than anybody else had become a partner. I was going to be the new superstar in that, in that law firm. And he said, and I did. He said, I'm making more money than, than you can throw a rock over. And I've got all the toys that go with it. The cars and the suits and the house and the lake house and the boat and everything. And then his eyes started to fill with tears and his lips started to quiver a little bit. And he said, but i got to tell you, after two failed marriages and, and and, and a destructive relationship with my own kids, he said, my life is coming apart and I don't know what to do. And I'm in such a mess that the only thing I can figure is that unless God takes over, I'm not gonna make it. Church, that's what it means to get out of the boat. If God doesn't come through, you're through. Here's the second thing it means. It means a refusal of status quo. You see, the problem that night is that there were 11 other guys who were perfectly comfortable with status quo. You know what status quo was? No one had walked on water. They were perfectly content to stay in the boat and not even give it a try. One guy decided he wasn't satisfied with status quo, and he climbed down out of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. You know what I find in a lot of churches? There are a lot of people who love status quo. Don't mess with the boat. Don't, don't, don't get out of the boat. Don't even rock the boat. I'm comfortable right where I am, just like we got it. And in the process, we often miss the call of Jesus to get out of the boat and come to him. When you get out of the boat, you're going to refuse status quo. You, you, I love, again, what one of the African-American evangelists used to say. He says, you know what status quo is? He said, that's, that's Greek for the mess we's in. <laughs> when you get out of the boat, you refuse status quo. Getting out of the boat means a revival of faith i got to say, this is an opinion. I don't think Simon Peter was ever the same after that night. 
I mean, once you get out there and trust God to do the miraculous, once you get out there and trust God to do the unexpected, the extraordinary, and you see God come through, it messes you up so that you're never the same. You say, well, he denied Jesus. Well, yeah, expanded faith doesn't mean that you become perfect. But I think once you get out there and you see God do what only God can do, you start to really um, believe that that maybe God is going to do the extraordinary through your life in ways you can't begin to imagine. Get out of the boat. If God doesn't come through, you're through. Refusal of status quo. Revival of faith. You're never the same once you see God operate. Now let's go to the text. Here's the first thing I notice in the text. The challenge to get out of the boat comes in the darkest moment of life. The darkest moment of the night. You see, we don't know much about the watches of the night. As the psalmist in Psalm 63 said, I, I remember you on my bed. I remember you, and I think of you through the watches of the night. Every three hours, they would have a change of guard, watches of the night. We, we don't think like that. We turn on our ADT system and go to sleep. But in their culture, the watches of the night every three hours. The fourth watch of the night was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. What does it say? That it's darkest before what? The dawn. And in the darkest watch of the night, that's when the call comes from Jesus. Okay, Simon Peter, come on out here. Man, maybe you've been going through an extremely dark period in your own life. And life has kind of grabbed you by the lapels and has shaken you in a way you can't even imagine. And yet in the midst of that darkness, you hear the voice of God calling you to get out there and trust Him in ways you haven't trusted Him before. It seems to me that the call of God always seems to come in the times of greatest darkness. In our country, Congress keeps kicking the, kicking the can down the street another 90 days, and then every 90 days we have the same crisis and the same deal. The, 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 the economy, I mean, who knows when this thing is really going to recover and get back on its feet. And there, there are all kinds of issues going on all over this country. And in the darkest moment of time, God may be calling the Greenville Oaks Church to step out there and trust Him in ways we haven't trusted before. The challenge comes in the darkest time of night. There's something else I notice in the text. The Bible says that when Peter said to him, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water, and Jesus says, comes. I don't think that Jesus called him out there to embarrass him, but to enlarge him. I think there for that moment, Jesus is thinking to himself, wow, come on, Peter, come on out here with me. And as he sees Simon Peter throw his leg over the side of that boat and step down on the water and start walking to him, I think Jesus is so pleased with what Simon Peter is doing. He never calls us into something to embarrass us, but to enlarge us. He didn't call him out there to embarrass him. 
But so that in some time in his life, he would think back on that occasion when Jesus had done the miraculous for him. And it would be a blessing to him going forward. There's something else from the text. I've asked myself the question, why would Peter do that? I mean, there are 12 guys in the boat. One out of the 12 says, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. He says, come on. Why would he do that? Aside from the obvious, well, he's nuts. (laughs) Why would he do that? Well, here's an opinion. My opinion is no more valuable than yours, but here's my opinion. He's dissatisfied with boat life. Boat life is routine, it's comfortable, it's boring, it's the same old, same old. And Simon Peter decided that night he was tired of the routine and the dull and the boring, and he wanted to do something that would, that would excite his faith in ways he hadn't tried before. He steps down on the boat and walks out to Jesus. I think that his desire to be with Jesus was greater than his fear of failure. He could have done an analysis. He could have stopped and started saying to himself, you know what? I swam in this lake my whole lifetime. I fished in this lake. I know this lake will not hold the weight of a human body. I know it won't. If I step out of that boat, there's a really good chance I'm going down. But rather than think like that, he sees Jesus out there and his desire to be with Jesus was greater than his fear of sinking. Can I tell you something, folks? The action is out there where Jesus is. That's where the exciting things are. They're with Jesus. And here, Simon Peter climbs down out of that boat, and he sees his master out there. I don't know if he's 10 yards, 20 yards, 30 yards out of the boat. I don't know how far he walked, but the Bible says he got down out of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. I want to tell you, if you and I can come to the place in our lives where anything else in this life, if we understand that the action is where He is, if we can just follow closely to Him, God is going to take us on some amazing journeys. Church said? The Bible says, when He saw the wind, He was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this to be extremely comforting. That on those occasions when you decide to climb down out of the boat and walk on the water to Jesus, in case you should fail, you need to know this, the Lord rescues. Because the Bible says immediately, not, no, he didn't let him thrash around there in the water for a while. It says what? Immediately. Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he says, you have a little faith. Why did you doubt? I think he's saying, oh, Simon Peter, you were doing so good. Why did you doubt? He'd walked far enough that he was within reach of Jesus. 
I've noticed some things about getting out of the boat and walking on the water in the midst of a storm. There are two or three things you want to remember. One, don't look at the wind and the waves. Listen, you can always find reasons why not to do it. Don't look at the wind and the waves. There's always a list of reasons why you shouldn't risk it for God. Number two, don't listen to the boat dwellers. This is another opinion. I'm guessing that when Simon Peter starts climbing out of that boat, two or three of his boat-dwelling buddies are saying to him, Simon Peter, what are you doing? You crazy? Get back in this boat. Because if you decide to get out there on the edge and trust God to do something in your life, there's going to be somebody standing in the periphery of your life that is going to be saying to you, well, you don't need to do that. Well, you do. If you want to see God come through, don't listen to the boat dwellers. There's going to be somebody who's going to be fortifying that opinion that says, you can't do that. You can't do that. You shouldn't do that. You're going to mess things up if you do that. Don't listen to the boat dwellers. Here's the third thing I've noticed about climbing out of the boat. You you don't want to look at the wind and the waves. You don't want to listen to the boat dwellers. And you want to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. One of the great chapters in all the Bible. Hebrews 11. It's called the Hebrews Hall of Fame. It's the story of so many of the great men and women of the Bible who lived by faith. The Bible says toward the end of chapter 11, the world was not worthy of them. Then chapter 12 starts like this, therefore. Now the word therefore is a word of transition. It's a word that means now based on what I just said, therefore, therefore he says, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw aside every weight and every sin that entangles. Now listen to this. And let us fix our eyes on... Let's run with perseverance the race is set before us. And then he says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising and shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. If you and I are going to live lives of faith, we must lock our eyes on Jesus and never take them off. Peter's failure that night was because he took his eyes off Jesus and started looking at all the reasons why not. And fearing, he began to sink. The Lord rescues. The Bible says, that whenever they climb back in, you ever thought about the walk back to the boat? You ever thought about the walk back to the boat? My guess is Peter held really tightly to Jesus. Wouldn't you guess? My guess is he never took his eyes off Jesus all the way back to the boat. I don't know how far they had to walk to get back to the boat, but have you ever thought about the walk back to the boat? That must have been a walk worth remembering. And when they get back in the boat, the Bible says those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you're the Son of God. 
You know what the result of getting out of the boat is? Glory and praise to Him. You see, if we're walking in our own power, if we're walking by sight and not by faith, if we can accomplish it on our own, then the glory goes to us. But if we get out there and start trusting God to do what only God can do, then when God comes through for us, He receives the glory, not us. And church, I know you know this. Let me remind you, listen, it's not about us. It's about Him. I've come this morning to challenge you. Get out of the boat. I don't know what God is calling you to do in your own personal life and ministry. There is something God is calling you to do that you've been fearful to try. Listen, get out there with Him. Get out there where He is. Trust Him. What only He can do. And when He comes through for you, He gets the praise, the honor, and the glory. That's where it ought to go. Greenville I'm not sure what all God is challenging us to do. I'm not quite sure where all God is is calling us to go. But I want to tell you something. He's out there saying, come on, come on. Let us have the faith to climb down out of the boat, keep our eyes fixed on Him, and follow Him where He leads us. When all the dust settles, the glory goes to Him. And the church said, let's pray together.